Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Our Lives in Medicine. This episode features student Dr. Nikita, fourth-year medical student. Her path through medical school has not been without turmoil, but her will and drive to continue on are very inspiring and motivating. She is passionate about mental health, equality, and balancing the stresses of school with life. She is also highly involved in the field of fashion and design and is one of the most stylish guests to ever grace the podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please feel free to share the episode with others. Also, like us on Instagram at Our Lives in Medicine and comment on the things you liked and things you'd like to see on future episodes. And as always, if you need some beats to study or get some work done or just catch some good vibes, make sure you listen to the intro and outro for some cool lo-fi beats and stick around for the end credits to hear the artist shout out. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I hope you have a great day. live with Nikita the uh on the what is it like the diary of a dusky do right yeah <laughs> that's I like exactly that right. yeah I like that that's cool so what's going on um yeah just studying for step two and level two um and just trying to keep grounded while everything else is going on in the world do you have a date set yet or is yours kind of up in limbo um so so far mine has not been canceled and it's like the second week of July I somehow got spared by that whole debacle. Yeah, oof, the prometric gods yeah. were on your side. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man, I, I can't imagine. Expect you know, step two, level two is one thing, but like step one, which has a lot of weight on it, it's like, mm-hmm. and that those like M ones or M twos, and it's like that's what's going on for them. That's tough. Yeah, that's yeah, tough. and it's like besides the MCATs, like their first encounter with a major board exam, so it's like you're already nervous and then all that stuff happens on top of COVID. So it's just, this year has been rough. That's true. I haven't thought about that. Like that's the first standardized test they've had since the MCAT. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Man, flashback PTSD right there. So yeah, I I think, I think the, I felt like the MCAT was harder than step one, honestly, just because of like the material being so unrelevant, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I remember I was dreading all the physics that was on the MCAT. And then when I got to medical school, it's like, oh, there's never going to be physics ever again. So, yeah. yeah. I was like, you, know, you mean to save someone's life or to understand how to put someone under anesthesia? I don't need to understand gravitational forces of a planet? Exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. 
Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, thank God, because I don't understand gravitational forces of a planet, so that's good. Yeah, um, and I don't remember all the ochem structures, so that's good, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> let's say you go into pathology. I doubt that that's ever mm-hmm. saved anyone, so... <laughs> so. <laughs> There's definitely some flaws in the system, but, you know, it's just hoops you mm-hmm. got to jump through, so. Yeah. But, yeah, so, let's see. You are studying for step two and level two right now, so that means you are mm-hmm. done. You finished third year, right? Yes. So, you're officially a M4 now? Yep. Ooh, party. Okay. Yeah, Sweet. the end is in sight. <laughs> yes, indeed. You are, like, you are banging down the door now. That's awesome. So, yeah. how does it feel? Um, it feels good, but it's also a lot of uncertainty too, just with how scheduling is going to go and like how things are going to look in the fall. And I don't know, everyone's just going through a lot too. So I feel like mentally we're not all there yet. Yeah, that's tough. And are you going to be able to do auditions? So, so far I am, but it was a struggle to find any. And then when VSAS finally opened up about like two weeks ago. A lot of the ones that I had been interested in are not taking students from outside their state. Understandable because of COVID and they want to make sure everyone stays safe. Um, But it's kind of weird that we're not going to have the same process that everyone else had prior to residency. So yeah, you missed out on me. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. And then interviews are probably not going to be in person either. So we're making like a huge life decision based off audio and video. That is so tough. I mean, and it's unfortunate because like you said, I mean, that's a huge life decision and a lot of it mm-hmm. you get by being there in person. Like Yeah, exactly. And you want to see if you vibe with the other people and if you have any questions, it's easier to ask, I feel like, in person because you can think of something on the fly. But I'm hoping yeah. maybe as things like lessen up, maybe we can go visit in person as it becomes safer, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you might be on a video chat with, like, the residents, and they might come off horribly, and that's just because mm-hmm. of the video. That's, that's Exactly, crazy. yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. One sec, I gotta sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. I had to mute it, so, okay, perfect. <laughs> you don't want to blow your eardrums out. Um, but, yeah, uh, man, that's unfortunate. And, you know, there were a couple of places where I, like, looked online. I was like, oh, this place looks like it's going to be sweet. And I showed up mm-hmm. for the interview, and I knew immediately, not for me, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's, a, I don't know, it's, gonna, it's, like, unfortunate that it's probably just going to be your year, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of things just happen to happen this year. <laughs> well, 2020 is the year of a wild card, that's for sure. So. Yeah, yeah. But what about you outside of this? Like, what was your route into med school? Did you go straight from undergrad? Yeah, so I went to Arizona State um, for undergrad, and then I took the MCAT my third year, and I applied and got in right after. So Sweet. I didn't have a gap year in between, yeah. How, how was that transition, kind of quick turnaround? Um, it was rough. I think towards the end of college, I was already dealing with something mentally, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then once med school hit, it kind of took a toll on me and I took like a medical leave after the first semester because I was like, I really need to like take a break and kind of reassess to make sure this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what did you do during your time off? 
Um, I still studied and I went home and like tried to keep up with lectures and reading on my own, but I think I just needed to be away from like a very high stakes environment just for a couple months and then dive back in. And I think that was super helpful. That's good that you had the insight to do that. You know, you mm-hmm. were, you were young, you're still young, but you were young <laughs> back there, back then. And you had the insight still. Cause I mean, med school's hard. It sucks. I mean, it really yeah. sucks, especially the first two years. So Um, You know, I had issues myself and I probably should have tried to take time off, but Mm -hmm. I got through them. But it was it was it was it was luck. It was a blessing that I got through them because I I think it's uh, important to recognize when you need time off. Exactly. Um, Yeah. How was that transition from Arizona to Kansas City? Um, It was very different from what I'm used to. I had been in Arizona basically my entire life. Um, We moved to Arizona after when I was three years old from New York. So basically I kind of didn't know anything else at the time. And then moving to Kansas city was like my first big adult move. Um, so the Midwest looks vastly different, um, from the desert. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I bet. So it's a lot of like sensory overload all at once, like new environment, new people, um, new way of thinking sometimes with the people you encounter. So it was just a lot to take in. Yeah, I'm sure I can. I mean, med school is an adjustment for everyone. I think some people mm-hmm. moving down the street from home is probably a certain degree of difficult. And then moving like across yeah. the country or even just like different regions, you know, moving from like New York to Wisconsin would be a huge adjustment even, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Well, I'm glad you got through it. That's good. At least, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah, me but too. I'm glad you got through it. And then, you know, looking, you just finished third year, but looking back at like first and second year, what were some of your favorite or least favorite classes? Uh, Second year, I definitely liked our female reproductive class. Uh, We had a really talented OB guy come and lecture to us, and um, he basically sparked my interest in women's health. I already kind of had an interest in it, but this further escalated it. Um, And then we had a really great neurologist who came and lectured us during second year, um, because I think neuro is very abstract during first year. You only learn like the pathways and the anatomy. But just seeing how clinically relevant neuro is um, and ob too, it was just nice to see the transition and how like all those hours spent studying and trying to understand pathways like paid off. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, you know, neuro is very relative to what you learn in the classroom. It can be applied, not necessarily for other things. Yeah. Because you can mm-hmm. look exactly what, okay, someone's right foot doesn't work in a certain, they, they can't, they have foot drop. That You can yeah. really easily identify why that is, what that is. So that's, that's interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Relative to abdominal pain. That's like a nightmare <laughs> if someone comes in with abdominal pain, you know. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and what did psych you... was really cool too. Oh, sorry. I was going to say like, what else did you like or what did you hate? Yeah. <laughs> um, so psychiatry was really cool too because it's that one aspect of medicine you have to think abstractly. Um, you can't just like do a physical exam on someone and be like, oh, they definitely have this. Um, you have to actually take the time and listen and like think about the symptoms they're presenting with, think about the way their mood is. All these different facets have to come together for a diagnosis to make sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you, uh, so what are you considering right now? So I'm leaning more towards ob I believe. Um, <laughs> I'm still a little nervous depending on the, how the application cycle goes, but I think I'm going to try to go all in on OB. Okay, sweet. So I assume you liked your OB rotation third year? Yes, I loved it. It was definitely my favorite. What about it did you, did you like? 
Um, it was not as like depressing as other ones, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I get it. I think in general, yeah, the patient population is mostly female. Um, but I think you're helping women kind of understand their bodies in a different way. Um, and I know for a fact, like maybe back in the day, people weren't comfortable talking about themselves and like the issues they were experiencing as women. But when you go to an OB-GYN, that's literally what they're there for. And like you have nothing to be embarrassed about. And it was just nice to see a specialty where someone could be so open with you about what they're going through. Yeah, that's true. And did you have multiple months or just one month that you did? Um, I had one month um, in Arizona. So we had the opportunity to do a rotation back home if we wanted. And then when I did my Kenya mission trip, um, we got to do a little bit of OB stuff there too. Oh, what was the mission trip like? It was awesome. (laughs) So we went in um, the end of November, beginning of December of last year. Um, And there's a clinic that this doctor established um, in the village where he grew up. Uh, And it's a healthcare center that's designated to treat patients with HIV and a bunch of other issues. And it's just really nice to see something so untainted by greed. I think we get a lot of that here. So just to go back, like go to Kenya and just see everyone is just really willing to help people and not worried about insurance or anything like that was really nice. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you forget about basic things like not needing to worry about insurance. You know, that's a, um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, I forgot all about that because <laughs> it's not we don't we don't have that issue here or that lack of an issue mm-hmm. here. So that's cool. Yeah. And did you get to experience Kenya at all, or was it mostly just focused on the the mission part? So the first like two weeks, we did um, the mission and like provided healthcare to the village, and then the last like week and a half, we did go on a safari, which was really cool. Um, so we saw like I felt like a little kid because you hear about like oh you're gonna see like lions and like tigers and elephants and stuff, and they're like literally right next to the car, and it was just it was awe inspiring. And it's nice that they're not like in the Tiger King kind of cage. They're like in their own environment. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. I bet that was beautiful. I mean, that's a, you know, all the different, you know, individual countries within Africa have a lot Mm -hmm. to offer that, you know, a lot of people may never even see. And that's awesome. That's great. You got to do that. And you got to do it for such a good cause too. Yeah, exactly. And then I definitely want to go back because I feel like I learned just so much from that trip and just meeting new people and experiencing life outside the United States is so humbling. Yeah, absolutely. Humbling. And then you can also, to an extent, kind of see things we could possibly do better here if certain mm-hmm. poli- like certain politics got out of the way, but that may never yes. happen, unfortunately. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. I'm, 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 that's awesome. You get to do the Kenya trip. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to ask too, maybe like third year, what were some rotations that you did that you were like, there's no shot I would ever do this as a career? Let me think. Um, I would have to say pediatrics. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm right there with I, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like kids. I do want kids eventually. But I feel like my problem with pediatrics is it gets so overshadowed by what the parents want and not on the well-being of the child. And it's complicated, too, when you have a younger child, they're not able to explain what's going on with them, and you have to rely on, like, a third party. Mm. So that would, yeah, that would make it difficult. And then I just think 
dealing with children and if they've been through abuse or cancer, I feel like I would not be able to emotionally detach myself from that. Yeah, that one, that's so tough. I mean, it's just, it makes you wonder, like, how can people do that to, mm-hmm. you know, just like a, a child that needs you? It's just, uh, it's crushing. Like, yeah, I remember my inpatient peds rotation. There was a, I mean, she, I don't think she was even a year old yet. Little mm-hmm. baby girl and her, she had, she was born with HIV and her parents just like mm-hmm. dropped her off in the front and bounced. I mean, that's just like, they dropped her off oh, at the wow. hospital and left. I mean, that's just, and they were nowhere to be oh found. Oh gosh. And so, yeah, you know, they're treating her, trying to get her viral load down. And then also social yeah. work is trying to figure out what are we going to do with this baby that has HIV? You know, what are we going to, what's the next move, you know? And it was sad. I mean, I, that got crushed because she was such a beautiful little girl, you know? And Yeah. yeah. And they had did nothing wrong, you know? They were just brought I to know. the world. Yeah. That was their only mistake, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's unfortunate. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah. But that's cool, though. I mean, I think... I personally, as far as OB goes, I liked OB, my rotation, mm-hmm. but I think to an extent, I just, I just, I, you know, there's certain things you do, you're like, that was fun, but I couldn't do it for 30 years. Nothing mm-hmm. against you, obviously. It's just for me, OB, <laughs> like yeah. OB and kids, I just like mm-hmm. would find interesting, but I couldn't pretty much everything besides sports med. I, I don't think I could do honestly. So yeah, I feel <laughs> that. Um, yeah. My second choice, it was like sports med mm-hmm. and then medical examiner and then Ooh, psychiatry okay. those are my those are my top 3 so <laughs> yeah <laughs> people would always say like why you know you shouldn't do pathology you shouldn't do a medical examiner you're so personable and mm-hmm. i'm like yeah i want to be personable on my own time though so <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i feel like the uh expenses and overhead for an me are pretty low to like no insurance relatively and <laughs> stuff like that so very true <laughs> it's an interesting field but i promise i'm not like a, a serial killer i promise Nah, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. So what else? Like, what about just school in general? I mean, besides school, did you enjoy, you know, first third, like the first three years? Did you enjoy the people you met, the environment, everything like that? Yeah. So um, my class is awesome. I love them all. Um, We've been through a lot together. There's just been a lot of stuff with, um, I mean, obviously COVID, but just in general, just all the stress of med school and life in general. I feel like we've been very with it together, which has been super helpful. Um, I think initially when I entered med school, I was very worried that people were going to be petty and not want to share notes and not want to share resources, but it has proved the opposite. So that has been great. Um, and then in Kansas City, uh, during the some of the spare time I have, I joined a publication called By Design Magazine um, that's dedicated to emphasizing the work of people of color in the black community in Kansas City, which I really like. Um, and they've just done a great job of putting themselves out there and bringing up issues that some other publications may not talk about. Like what, like what is an example? Um, so the first issue I joined, we actually had some sections about mental health, which I thought was super important because I feel like when you read a fashion magazine, that kind of all just gets put to the side. It's very glamorous. Um, and then this publication, I felt like did such a great job of combining art and real life discussion. No, that's cool. I think we need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And what, for that, it's, you know, it sounds like it's not Cosmo or anything like that, obviously. So what, what's Mm kind of like the target audience for that? Uh, definitely more minority population, obviously Mm -hmm. like encouraging everyone to subscribe, but 
just focusing on the struggles and like the successes of like the black community and the other minority communities in Kansas City and throughout the United States. Like sometimes we get submissions from other states. Okay. So like a local emphasis, but you can see, you know, accomplishments from all around the country with within the mm-hmm. realm of, uh, was it fashion you said, like design? Yeah. So like graphic design, fashion, dance, uh, entrepreneurship, just a lot of different aspects in which people are allowed to be creative. Mm, that's awesome. And you said mm-hmm. you contribute to that too, right? Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Sorry. I, I know like just a simple question, but I, I wanted to make sure I got <laughs> it down. That's awesome. So you said too, like that, it seems like that would be a passion project because of the, you know, people of color outreach, but also I'm assuming fashion is kind of something you're into as well. Yeah. So, I mean, 99% of the time I'm in sweatpants when I don't have to wear professional clothes. But, um, Respect. I do, <laughs> but, um, I do like fashion. I feel like it's one of those outlets where you can be very unapologetic and be yourself and what might not work for you can be put on somebody else and it becomes an entirely different meaning, which I love. And fashion is also a form of artwork. Um, it's just very individualized and based on people's comfort level and what they're into. And I love that about it. I like the way you put that, like fashion as a piece of artwork, because it, it can, some people know how to really paint a nice picture through fashion. Mm-hmm. And some people know how yeah. to like do finger paint, you know, <laughs> through yeah, fashion. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, uh, no disrespect to like the New Balance look with the jean shorts, but you know, mm-hmm. not, not, not necessarily the most uh, creative look. Yeah. And, but the cool thing about it is someone can easily pull that off and it becomes their thing, which I mean, I was like, I would never do that. But seeing it on another person, I'm like, that's really cool. That's true. Because that same person who can rock the new balance with the jean shorts wouldn't necessarily look good in like joggers and a Henley, you know? So exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, if you can pull off both, that's where I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah. That takes real talent. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Respect there. So, um, Looking at kind of your studies as well, what how has kind of COVID affected everything besides uh, obviously with the auditions and stuff, but even just the last couple of months, how has that kind of affected your third year? Um, it, at least I had most of my core required rotations done. So I had about two left, um, but it was kind of, we were kind of just all thrown in a lurch. Um, there was a lot of hearsay going on the week before we were sent home. Um, we would go to the hospital and we'd hear like about a potential COVID patient or we'd hear about another school that was sending students home. So it was just a lot of like, where is this information coming from? Is it true? Are we going to get sent home? Are we going to be required to stay? Is there enough PPE? Uh, just a lot of uncertainty. And then when we came home and the classes were put online, it was just very different from being in the hospital or like outpatient setting. Yeah, I can imagine. I feel bad for people who had to do like their surgery rotation online. Like how how can you possibly do that, you know? So about that, I Uh-oh. had yeah. <laughs> so we're for our program at least we're supposed to have 8 weeks of surgery. So I had my first 4 weeks in August and that was general surgery. And then my second 4 weeks was supposed to be with a, a female breast surgeon. So I was actually looking forward to that. I thought I would have seen some cool cases. And then COVID hit and I had to do that second one online. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? It was not the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially having already done one in person and yeah. then you hop on that. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. That's like, 
and the worst part is you're paying for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You exactly. pay full price. But you got yeah. a half product, unfortunately. Ugh. Mm-hmm. That sucks. But, you know, you're about to be a fourth year. You're in soon, like a blink of the eye, you're going to be sitting where I am, like counting down the days to residency. So like once yeah. this is all over, what are you kind of excited for next? Hmm. I'm hoping the world settles down a little bit <laughs> yeah. as the months go on. We'll see. I feel like this year has already been five years. So yeah, um, halfway over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm hope I'm excited to see everybody again. We've all been at home or like in our respective apartments trying to make our own schedules to study. Um, but it'll be finally nice to get back in the hospital and start helping people again and do more in-person learning. Um, and then around graduation, I'm hoping I can plan maybe a trip to Europe or Asia, um, to kind of relax and get myself readjusted before residency starts got you got you okay that's a good that's a good move and even Mm if for some god for some reason by this time next year we're not back to some sort of Mm -hmm. normal hopefully you can at least just get some time to yourself and just breathe before residency yeah i mean that's the main point that i wanted to make sure i had (laughs) yeah exactly so i think if by this time next year it's not back to normal you know i think uh it's gonna be real like problems i think people are just kind of already tired of it to an extent yeah and so, for sure yeah i was gonna say there might be riots but i didn't shouldn't have said that <laughs> it's already got riots going on so um, yeah but yeah that that would definitely not help so mm-hmm. um what about yourself like down the road what do you see for yourself as like a practitioner in like 10 years i'm hoping maybe with the experience i build up obviously i i still feel like 10 years is not a lot of time but it still builds up experience regardless. Um, maybe getting into pu- pu- some sort of public policy regarding women's health. Um, I feel like we need more voices in medicine and politics. Obviously, I don't want to say that and then everyone run and like start you know, making more political parties and everything. But um, I feel like a lot of the decisions are made by the same group of people over the years. And it'd be nice to have people who are ed- actually educated in the human body um, making decisions for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I can somehow find an outlet for that, that would be awesome. What do you think are some issues from your perspective that you would like to work on as far as women's health or medicine in general? Um, I think there's just a lot of disparities in terms of healthcare between the general Caucasian population and minorities. I feel like there's such a stark contrast in outcomes for people like in terms of pregnancy, in terms of hypertension, in terms of diabetes. And I know research has been done on that, but I don't think we've done enough to advocate for it. Um, So I'm hoping to maybe get my foot in the door with things like that. Okay. And do you think you would more, do you see yourself transitioning more to solely policy work or do you think you'd kind of do half and half still practicing or how do you think you'd balance that? I think I would try to do half and half. Um, I do like working with people and I think I would enjoy practicing medicine too. I don't want to let that part go. Um, but as I'm building those experiences, I want to be able to give back to the community. And so I'm hoping half and half. We'll see though. I mean, everyone's schedules are all over the place when they become doctors. So we'll see. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the plus and the minus, I guess. It keeps yeah, busy, but then yeah. it's impossible to do anything else sometimes. So Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're going to go back to Arizona or are you going to just, are you open for whatever? Um, I'm trying to keep an open mind. 
Um, so I'm dating somebody and he already matched and he's going to start residency soon. So I'm, I'm maybe going to try to end up where he is. We've been doing long distance for a while. So it'd be nice to kind of finally get in the same time zone. Um, yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I, I think I, yeah, I do like Kansas city. Um, but I think I'm ready for a new chapter as well. Okay. Yeah. You got another year there and then you can branch out wherever you want. Um, mm -hmm. long distance is tough. I did that in undergrad. I'm still with my girlfriend from undergrad, but it's, uh, yeah, it was not easy. It's not easy. And I can only imagine in med school doing it. So yeah, <laughs> it's that's been, tough. it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, you know, it's working out so far. It sounds like that's mm -hmm. good, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions I like to ask, especially like current students or recent grads mm -hmm. is how do you think that you have changed from undergrad to now? I think I've become more open with people if I'm dealing with a difficult time. I feel like in college, at least for me, um, I was doing a lot of keeping up appearances. Like, yes, I have to go to this party. Yes, I have to go to this. Like, you know, college is about having fun besides going to class. <laughs> and then once medical school started and I started dealing with difficulties and just stress in general, um, I think it's just encouraged me to kind of take a step back. And if I can't handle something then I need to be like, hey, I cannot come or I can't handle this. Either I need to stay home and take care of myself or I need help. And I feel like it takes a lot of guts to admit when you need help. And I'm glad I've finally reached that point. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge sign of maturity to say, you know, it's also a good sign because I think knowing when you need help in any aspect as a, as a physician, as a person, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's never a bad thing to, to understand with yourself, you know, know when you need help. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's always sad when you hear these stories of like, you know, med students taking their own lives or mm -hmm. dropping out because of the stress. Like I had one of my buddies in my class, he just, I think it was after, after, middle of third year he dropped out mm -hmm. and I'm like man that's tough because oh wow you made it over the hump but he was just yeah. he was just so frustrated and I was like man take like take leave don't just drop and he just dropped it mm -hmm. he couldn't he wasn't thinking straight and mm -hmm. I, I almost did the same thing after first year I tried to drop out but my mom just yeah. physically didn't let me and yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean she I was I was gonna knock I wasn't gonna go back to Florida I, I went home for yeah. break and I wasn't going back she had to drive yeah. me 12 hours back to Florida because I wasn't I wouldn't wow. go I wouldn't budge <laughs> and, uh, yeah you know, I almost threw away my everything you know I've already I just graduated yeah. a few weeks ago and if it yeah. weren't for her so it's, it's always tough when you hear those stories so I'm glad that you were able to find the help and get through it and mm -hmm. stick it out yeah don't you go quitting That's on me good. now you already made it the hard part <laughs> yeah I, I think I'm staying now <laughs> okay good good so another question I meant to ask earlier, I kind of, when we were talking about you trying to go into OB, what are mm -hmm. things you think that students can do to kind of stand out as an OB applicant? Um, let me see. I think definitely volunteering in your community and kind of just getting the different social aspects of the medicine you're going to go into. So I volunteered for a sex trafficking organization called Veronica's Voice and a lot of healthcare, I feel like we don't acknowledge is social. Um, so just seeing what these women have gone through and what their healthcare needs are and what they're dealing with in terms of transportation or housing or anything like that. I feel like you really get a sense of that when you volunteer. It doesn't even have to be in the same field you end up going into, but just any sort of public service is very important. 
and it okay. really gives you a sense of your privilege, which is yeah. 100% important. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, you, I, I don't know, you know, everyone comes from a different background, but mm-hmm. when you look at stuff like that, like, I did my volunteer hours first and second year at a homeless shelter, and that is very mm-hmm. eye-opening. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, almost everyone there, if they have any sort of issue, they call an ambulance, they, they have someone call them an ambulance, and they yeah. You know, that's it. And like, I, I fear the ambulance, you know, I'm like, please don't call the ambulance. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay that fee. But yeah, for them that they don't have transportation there. And, you know, they don't know that, well, they can't do urgent care because they don't have any insurance. It's just it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You definitely yeah. realize it really changes your access to anything depending on where you come from. What about during like rotations? Did you did you get to kind of see the non healthcare side, like more like the social work side at all? Like how things work behind the scenes? Yeah, so for my internal medicine rotation, I felt like we dealt with a lot of a lot of work with hospice organizations. Um, I didn't really have a lot of experience with that before, but just seeing how that process worked in the hospital too, and getting the family involved, and trying to determine where to place people, that was very eye opening as well. My first rotation, third year, was with hospice. That was interesting, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of politics that go on with that, uh, with mm-hmm. you know, peds inpatient. There was a lot of politics with social work. Yeah. yeah, internal med had a lot of politics with social work. It was interesting. You know, I would have had no, no idea without those rotations. So, mm-hmm. that's another thing you didn't I didn't really realize until, you know, recently was how important social workers are and like a good social oh, worker, yeah. not just them existing. They have to be good and dedicated because. They have a lot to do. And, and, no, they that's do. Crazy. And I, f- I feel like we become jaded over time too. Like I know we're told to have empathy for all our patients. I get that. Like that's why we're in medicine. But, you know, stress and a lot of other factors can diminish a lot of the empathy. So it's so great that there's social workers out there to kind of pick up our slack um, and take responsibility for like what's in our base- patient's best interest. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a very valuable piece of the, the whole puzzle right there. What if you weren't doing medical school right now? What do you think you would be doing? Um, so I think I would have gone to journalism school at one point and become a journalist. Interesting. What would you like to cover? So when I was in high school, I was a part of my high school yearbook staff, and I loved it. Um, I really liked going to sporting events, so probably like probably sports, Um, NFL, NBA, anything like that. I'm really big into entertainment too, but just like I wanted to be able to cover, I would want to be able to cover stories that will make a difference, but aren't political, if that makes sense. Like what's an example? I'm trying to think. Uh, Like, oh, like food, like food quality, for example, you know, like tainted Mm -hmm. food sources, things like that. Yeah, so like stuff the public should know, but I want it to be unadulterated by all the outside influence of pol- like politics, if that makes mm. sense. I know that's yeah. really hard nowadays, yeah. but I still think there's an outlet for it. Eventually, like eventually we will have an outlet for it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. Even just like I was saying, like food quality. I mean, there's so many lobbying firms for GMOs mm-hmm. and, you know, livestock. And I mean, a lot of things that we know could be improved for other people, like mass health that just aren't because of lobbying and it'd be hard to kind of report that without the politics getting involved you know that's interesting yeah and just like financial interest also gets involved a lot too so just kind of putting the pieces of a puzzle together that don't include 
outside influence would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. And like money, the big one. Yeah. I mean, money, yeah. money ended racism in the South to a degree, you know, with the, with the bus <laughs> yeah, riots. I, guess. I, mean, I think money speaks louder than almost anything. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that's why it's, you know, a lot of the problems are still sticking around because people are making too much money off of it. So mm-hmm. it's a good point. Unfortunate, but what about outside of like medical school when you do have a one free moment, what are some of the hobbies mm-hmm. you like to do? Um, I'm a big supporter of Netflix as most <laughs> medical students are. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, I also like to read during my spare time. I know a lot of people kind of stray away from that once medical school starts because we have to read anyway. Um, but like reading has been one of those pastimes that has stuck with me since I started. Um, and it's just been nice to like, when everything is going south to kind of just pick up a book and transport yourself away for a moment, even if it's like right before bed. Yeah. 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 What's your, uh, what's your go-to genres? So mainly fiction, but I've gotten more into reading autobiographies. Um, I just finished Michelle Obama's Becoming, which was amazing. Um, I've heard really good things about that. Yeah. And then I read Dear Girls by Ali Wong. That was good too. So yeah, kind of. I am expanding a lot of what I've been reading. Um, what some what sort of fictions? Oh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said yeah. I didn't want to be pigeonholed into like one genre. Mm, yeah, yeah. A, a, a diverse stack of books is always good. Um, yes. <laughs> I do love a good fiction though. So what, what what fictions do you like or have read recently? Give me one second. I yeah. have like a log where I keep all of it. <laughs> oh yeah, the last book I read, like fiction wise, was um. The Nest by Cynthia Dieprick Sweeney. The Nest. Let me see. I'm looking that up right now. Whenever I have someone on, and they, I can I can never get enough fiction. So mm-hmm. let's see. Ooh, that looks cool. And that was a good read. Mm-hmm. I actually okay. got it when I was like in transit. Um, I think I was going home or something like that, and I picked it up in the airport because just the cover looked interesting, um, and it was really good. So I just got uh, recommended recently. I just finished this book called Battle Royale, and it's uh, this Japanese author. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of, He wrote this book that's basically The Hunger Games. It was written before The Hunger Games, and it's like way more intense, and it's middle schoolers yeah. in Japan on an island. Oh. Uh, it's awesome. It was it was a great read. I mean, it's really kind of gory and dystopic, but it was uh, it was awesome. And then, So I had heard of that book, but I haven't read it yet. It's It's sweet. like on my to-read list, yeah. It's it's thick. It's like 600 pages, but it, it's like mm-hmm. a page turner. I mean, I would read like 30, 40 pages a day on accident. Okay. <laughs> That's like, it was, yeah. it was really good. And then someone just recommended to me uh, Clockwork Angel. And I, I just got that. Ooh, and yes. I, I'm about to start that one. Have you read that? Yeah, I have read that one. Oh, sweet. And so it's a good read. I'm not, I didn't waste my money. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, it's good. All right, good, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like you said, it's tough to get in, into reading. I mean, it's all you do in med school, but it is nice to read for fun versus read for uh, like immunology or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's good. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions though, is what did you get in trouble for as a kid? Um, I would get in trouble for running my mouth in class. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. It's still a problem I deal with. Obviously not as bad, but definitely the times I've been in trouble or I got put in our timeout bucket. I think that's what it was called in kindergarten. Um, it was because I would not shut up <laughs> and <laughs> all my report cards from like when I was younger 
they like you know all good grades you know everything and then the co in the comment section every time without fail the teacher writes nikita is very bright but does not know when to be quiet ah uh, yeah i kind of i kind of have a i kind of take issue with that cuz i kind of had the same yeah. thing and i feel like yeah. you know certain schools like certain schools just uh, I don't like it. I don't think I would be upset mm -hmm. if I got that report and I knew, you know, you know your kid best. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. You, um, you know, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never got in, like, I would get in trouble with my parents because they'd be like, hey, like, just make sure you don't keep getting in trouble. But they never shamed me for it, which was nice. Yeah. But yeah. That was the one thing all the time without fail. <laughs> I didn't like the kind of conformity aspect of like elementary school. It's like, you know, I, yeah. I just, I thought it was stupid. I hated it mm -hmm. and yeah. I rebelled <laughs> against it a lot and mm -hmm. I got in trouble a lot for that. But yeah, I was always kind of a headache kid though. So I, that kind of goes along with my story, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's unfortunate. There's nothing wrong with being a headache kid. I know. Yeah. And my mom always says I'm going to have a, a kid that's even more rebellious than I was just as payback. Yeah. So. Karma, right? <laughs> I, I hope she's wrong because if I if I yeah. have a kid that's like that guy I, I was I, I would go crazy I don't know how my parents yeah. did it so yeah sometimes I wonder that too <laughs> are you an only child no I have a younger brother he's okay. 19 years old oh sweet yeah I'm an only child so apparently that's a thing but mm. um, I hear older sibling syndrome is a thing too so watch that look out for that you know yeah <laughs> it definitely is what uh? What music did you listen to like when you were a teenager? It was a weird mix between rap and hip hop, and what what would you call Panic at the Disco and like Fall Out Boy and stuff like emo rock? <laughs> yeah, emo rock. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. kind of like uh, what Green Day and stuff like that. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I used to bump Green Day and like Panic at the Disco back in the day. Yeah. So I, nothing wrong. Yeah, with I mean, that. if there's still good Panic at the Disco, I will listen to it. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it was a very, it was a lot of weird genres. Um, a lot of '80s too. Um, I had a high school journalism teacher that was really into the '80s. I think because she was born in the '80s, but um, she really got me into '80s music. So I listened to a bunch of that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with like my parents' music. And then I kind of mm -hmm. added my own, which is mostly rap, but also like because of, you know, playing a lot of sports in high school, a lot of like mm -hmm. hard, like metal and rock and stuff. So yeah. I still like work yeah. out to that, which is, yeah. you know, I got no beef with it. It's kind of like you just hear just guitar riffs blaring through my headphones and like, you know, leave me alone. Yeah, you know? sometimes it's therapeutic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just like if you hear that, take a step back, leave me alone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Another question is if you could have anyone narrate your life, who would it be? Ooh, that is a really good question. I'm trying to think of people I know that are like, that have like soothing voices, you know? Or like spunky voices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, this is probably really random, but I think Hassan Minaj. I like Hassan Minaj a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know how for Patriot Act, he has like all his wild like hand gestures, but he was able to get the point across like... Yeah, he would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, Hassan Minaj is, is pretty cool. I like his stand-up yeah. a lot, too. Yeah, It actually yeah. gave me a lot of insight. I assume it's a pretty accurate representation for some people, at least, within the Indian uh, culture of, like, their yes. kind of upbringing. <laughs> and it's, it seemed it very was, interesting. It was so weird to see my upbringing in a comedic form, but I was like, <laughs> this is a lot of PTSD. 
<laughs> yeah. It's funny now that you're an adult and you're yeah. out, of, you're like, yeah. out from under it. But yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, I think it's just, you know, and it comes from a place of love. It's just like it's expressed mm-hmm. so differently. It's the love is we want you to be successful at all costs, mm-hmm. you know, whether, whether it breaks 100%. you emotionally or not, you know. Yeah. Are, are your parents kind of still as strict now that you are about to be a doctor or are they kind of laxed a little bit? They're a little bit lax because they know I have it messed up. <laughs> um, I was telling them, I was like, if you think I'm the screwed up child, then like, you know, you haven't done that badly because I'm going to be a doctor. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think over the years too, I've just, I used to fight with my mom a lot as a teenager, um, just about like clothing and like language and all that kind of stuff. And I think as I've gotten older, as much as I hate to admit this, sometimes she was right about certain things. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's tough to admit, but you're yeah. right. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've definitely had, have, I have a better relationship with them now and, um, I'm very thankful for that. Were there things coming up that you look back on now that your parents kind of implemented on you that you didn't, your friends didn't necessarily have? Being proud of your culture for sure. Um, so yeah, I am Indian, but I think we they did such a good job of instigating that at home that I was able to be very cultured as a younger kid, but also very in touch with my American self as well. And I think because of my upbringing, I've tried to strike a pretty good balance between the two. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's really cool to have like a really yeah. rich heritage culture to fall back on. But also, I mean, yeah. America, you can make you can make whatever you want out of American culture, too. So that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you speak the native language? So I speak a language called Ordia, and it's like from the east side of India. Um, cause India has like about 26 languages and like thousands of dialects. Um, and then I understand Hindi, which is the national language, but I don't speak it very well. So, <laughs> so my, one of my best friends from school, he speaks, uh, Urdu is, am I saying mm-hmm. right? Okay. That's yeah. not, that's not what you just said though. Right? No, it's a different one. Okay. Sorry. My, I gotta, I gotta work on my ear, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, okay. Have you ever visited? Have you been to India? Yeah, so when I was younger, we used to go like every year, every other year, depending oh, on my dad's schedule. Yeah. You get to see family out there? Yeah. So basically, a majority of my family is still there. Was it, what was it like playing with like your cousins? You know, you're, you're growing up in America, they're growing up there. What was it like playing with your cousins? Um, it was kind of weird because just cultural thing, culturally, things are so different. And, Phrases that you might use here, they might not translate there. Or like even the English they were using is more British English. And here it's so Americanized. So there's sometimes a disconnect hmm. um, in, terms of, in terms of language. Yeah. And then sometimes I would find myself speaking English with like an Indian accent so they would understand me better, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> so sure. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but it's also cool to see like, even though they're brought up so differently than I was, there's still a lot of commonality. I bet that's really cool to kind of look, have that memory of like mm-hmm. playing in a completely different country, which is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, that I think the coolest thing about that is kids, especially just like, it doesn't matter where you're from. Like you're oh, still going to want to, yeah. Yeah. You're still going to want to wrestle. You're still going to throw rocks, play tag. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter where you yeah. grew up. That's like, that's the go-to stuff. So that kind of breaks yeah, down. Yeah. It's the, universal. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's what the word yeah. I was looking for. It kind of breaks down the barriers. So that's cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are you gonna go back anytime soon? You think? I might try before residency, hopefully, if I yeah. can. Oh yeah. Once the world <laughs> yeah. opens back up, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. So yeah, I mean that was awesome. I think uh, it was cool learning about you. I. Uh, oh, thank you. I, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have a really cool story. Um, I think I have four questions I usually use to wrap up. I think we can mm-hmm. knock those out real quick if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So the first one is, has medical school been what you expected? Definitely not. <laughs> In what ways? Just, I did not imagine experiencing that kind of stress. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Same. I mean, I imagine yeah. stress, but I was under-imagining hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, when you're younger, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed out. I have a test in, like, three days. But it's, like, over one thing that you can probably cram the night before. But then medical school tests are not like that. No, they are not. They are no. not. Unless <laughs> you you're fell either... behind, you're screwed. Yeah, unless you're either one of those whiz kids or you're just someone who's on his way out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, med school was a, a wild beast. But you know what? Fourth year, well, I can't speak for the COVID fourth year, but in general, <laughs> fourth year was awesome. So I, uh, Yeah, I am looking forward to fourth year, though. I think the best thing about fourth year is when you go on interviews, you get appreciated in a way that you haven't gotten in a long time. It's mm-hmm. nice to have people, you're there because they saw something in you that they valued, you know, they saw something on your application or multiple things that they said, this person, you know, we want to meet this person and see, you know, what they're all about. And that's a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. So you, you, yeah. no professor is going to give you that first and second year. That's for sure. So yeah, it's um, going to be nice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the second question I have for you is in your opinion, what are keys to success in medical school? Staying on top of everything. First and second year, especially. Um, the same day you have a lecture, make sure you watch it, take your notes, read through what you got to read through because it will pile up if you don't. Um, but then also finding something to keep you grounded while life gets hard, whether that's volunteering or going to, going to concerts or listening to music or working out, like just have something because Mm -hmm. there'll be days where you're like, I really cannot read another page or I really cannot watch another lecture and you need to like take a break. So make sure there is something there. Self-preservation at its finest, for sure. Yes. Like don't lose yourself as the process continues. And then along that line, another question I have is, you know, you are, God, you're a fourth year. Congratulations. (laughs) And so looking back to like first, second and third year students and maybe even pre-med students, what would be your Mm -hmm. advice to them? Especially pre-meds, I think be humble because you don't know what other people in your place are going through, or you don't know what they're going to bring to the table. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I did do this too, I don't remember, but I feel like there's a very weird mentality with pre-meds where they're like, oh yeah, like I'll get in on the first try, or oh yeah, like I'm really good and I'm really smart, like, you know, a school would be a fool not to take me. Um, And I think you just really have to stay humble. There's going to be people that are going to be way better at you than things. There are, pe- there are people that are going to be worse at you at things, but you really have to be grounded. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good advice. Yeah. 
That's really good advice, actually. <laughs> so the last question I have for you is if you woke up tomorrow and you were 10 years old and you had to do everything over again to get to where you are right now, would you do it all over again? Yes. I don't, I don't think I would be, I don't think I would be the same person if I had to rectify all the mistakes I made or like have entirely new experiences. I think that's really shaped who I am. Sweet. I like like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to let them make the same screw ups I did. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Plus you get to go back, but you know, everything, you know, now, I mean, you can't go invent Facebook and everything like that. You can't, (laughs) but, uh, you can live your kind of same life and within, within Mm -hmm. reason. So yeah, that's cool. I'm glad that, you know, you had your ups and downs, but you wouldn't give that up. So that's great. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my set of questions. Do you have any other knowledge you want to drop or anything you want to discuss or ask me? How are, I hope this is not like a taboo question, but how are you doing with the Black Lives Matters riots and protests and um, just everything going on for the past few weeks? I think, uh, you know, there was riots. I hope that's not like a heavy question. Or oh, no, maybe. no. I mean, okay. I have no problem talking about that. It's, uh, okay. I think yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, because like I've, I've been affected too but I feel like I do not have any right to compare my experience to um, black Americans at all. So I just like hearing the perspective. Well, I think the first thing of what you said, about you don't feel like you should have been affected. I think that's, I think you were totally within your rights to feel affected. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a national problem. It's not just a a race problem. I think that others can be affected. Let's say you have black friends who have been affected mm-hmm. by this. I mean, that would affect you, you know, secondhand trauma, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with being, feeling that. And if anything, it's probably better to feel involved, you know, in whatever way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think me personally, you know, I, uh, I've had several, oh, that was my dog. She's bored already. <laughs> She's laying at my feet and I think she's bored already Aww. to my answer. But, <laughs> but <laughs> me, myself, you know, I've had, since I was young, several encounters with law enforcement that have been less than friendly. And mm-hmm. I've I've been pulled over, no joke, probably like, I mean, dozens of times, you know, and I've gotten two tickets. So mm-hmm. the majority of the time it was most likely kind of just a whatever pullover, you know, and yeah. um. I've been walking down the street and gotten stopped, just kind of stopped and frisked and things like that. And it's, it makes me wonder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, remember telling a preceptor one time, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we got off late and I had a, it was from one of the far hospitals from where I was doing rotations and it was like a 40 minute drive home. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get home and I was speeding, but I was like, let me put my scrub top back on because that way if I get pulled over, you know, the cop will be a little, uh, disarmed by me in a scrub top versus just wearing a t-shirt you know um yeah and I told him that and you know it was a white surgeon and he said he was kind of like shock in shock he's like I've never never would have even thought that's something because I just never had to have that concern yeah and yeah um I didn't even think twice about it it was just that was my instinct I was like all right let me put my scrub top back on it's dirty it's gross but like I'd rather if because I'm going to speed because I want to get home (laughs) so it's like if I'm going to get home fast and get pulled over I'd like to you know disarm the cop as much as possible um and i didn't think about it but that's just kind of how it is unfortunately um and that's like i i think that's amazing but i think that's also sucks that that part of our population has to think about doing things like that just to be treated as a human being 
Mm-hmm. And that just really upsets me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it's, when I tell people it's something I'm, I don't even, it's just like a second hand, it's like second nature now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. about it. I just do that. It's uh, mm-hmm. more concerning. And, you know, I was telling uh, someone recently, I forget kind of off the mm-hmm. law enforcement thing, yeah. but just the racial part. I was mm-hmm. telling someone recently that, you know, they were like, they were ask, asking about you know, high school. We we're talking about high school sports. And mm-hmm. I was telling them that one of the main schools that we played, that was, a, it was a Christian Academy. And that particular school was the school that I got called the N word the most when we played sports and it was oh like a Christian God. Academy. And they were like, what do you mean the most? Like other schools called you that too. And I was like, yeah, but the most was at the Christian Academy. And um, yeah, that's just what it was, you know, and my friends, you know, my teammates, they were teammates. They would stick up for me, but it's just, it is what it is. And, um, yeah. you know, I used to it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, especially yeah. by, like, I remember the first time when I was maybe in elementary school that that happened during sports, mm-hmm. I kind of was upset. But after that, it's like, it, it happened so often that I kind of got used to it, you know, and uh, yeah. it's it's not it's not funny. It's just more of it for certain people, especially that have experienced it a lot. You just you're just used to it. And it, it's something you either expect or you're Hello? not. So, there we go. All right. Perfect. Sorry. I, I, that sucks. I've been having that issue lately. Either I'll yeah. drop out or someone else drops out, but I have everything saved. So that's good, at least. OK, thank God. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. I, that actually happened. Like last week, I did like an hour and it dropped out and I hadn't saved it. No, <laughs> so I would have been so I had, upset. <laughs> I know. I had to redo it, but it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. But um, I forget what we were talking about. Oh, I was just kind of just, that, I was wrapping up kind of saying, you know, it is what it is. And it's unfortunate that that's something that hopefully, you know, as, as generations go along, that'll be something that happens less and less to people of color. Because um, it's not just black people, it's people of color. It's, you know, I had Asian teammates, Hispanic teammates, Indian teammates. Yeah. That it's not necessary, you know, it's like it's yeah. it's your last ditch effort as you're losing to try to mm-hmm. try to hurt the person that's beating you, I guess. But it's unfortunate. Hopefully it'll change. Yeah, I'm hoping so, too. What about you? Have you had experiences like that? I mean, maybe not the N-word, obviously, but other kind of just racial profiling or just racial bias or anything like that. So when my when I was younger, we lived in a smaller town in, um, called Safford in Arizona, and it was like us and another um, Indian doctor's family that lived in that town. Everyone else was white, um, and one, my dad is also a doctor, so he was driving home from work, and it was like super late at night, and he got pulled over by a cop, and the cop was like stopped him. I don't know the specific details, but... All I remember hearing is that the guy just didn't believe he was a doctor and he gave him a ticket and he's like, Ann, I want to see you in court in like the next couple of weeks. And my dad's like, okay. So shows up to court and the judge turns out to be one of his patients. Oh, wow. Um, and he's like, doc, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I got like a ticket and the top co- cop told me to come in. And like the guy's like, and then the judge is like, just go home. Like that was totally not necessary. Wow. So it happens. I mean, I don't think we experienced the same level. But it does happen, and I think, especially with all the protesting going on, I think this is our time to say something and be supportive um, and try to make a difference as much as we can. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I think part of the thing is people on that other side are going to have to accept that people of color are, you know, physicians and medical, you know, students and things like that. Like, I got pulled over during med school, and the cop didn't believe I was a medical student. He just didn't, he just couldn't fathom it in his mind. He was like, there's yeah. no way. 
you know, I, I looked, you know, I hadn't shaved in like two weeks. I had long hair because it was like a, during a long block and I get it what I look like, but it shouldn't be based on that, you know, and yeah, same thing like in college. Other people as a human being, not because of like what they look like. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So it, it's, uh, it's tough. And hopefully, you know, the more people of color branch out into the other professions, mm-hmm. the more that they won't, you know, the, the other side won't have a choice but to understand and believe. So that, yeah, that's the, that's the hope for the future. I think the biggest thing we can do now is like this rioting, like the protest is the, is the, the way for change and the riots are just like the way to keep kind of everything segregated. You know, the riots yeah. are not the move. So, yeah, I just want people to be safe and I just, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Give me one second. My dog is going crazy. I got to let her out of that other room. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Bye. No worries. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> all right. She was like licking all over me. I was like, I can't, I can't deal with you right now. So. Um, what kind of dog do you have? She's a Whippet Greyhound mix. I actually got her when I was working in Miami before I started med school. And uh, she's a little psycho, but she's my baby. <laughs> oh, so cute. Yeah. yeah. I've had her for, God, six years, six plus years now. So. Oh, my God. She's your ride or die. Oh, she really is. She's been up and down the coast with me. And she's like, Aww. you know, I can't. I've taken her up and down the coast when I drive home and moved mm-hmm. and everything else. And we're moving up to the mountains in like two weeks. So she's going to be a mountain dog pretty soon. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> to get a dog. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I would recommend I if you do adopt one, adopt one that's mm-hmm. like over a year because they'll probably yeah. already be potty trained. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got her. She was a year know. and a half and she knew everything yeah. already. So perfect. Yeah, see, I'll look into that. <laughs> yeah, see, saving lives. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's sweet. So, uh, dude, I, I really appreciate, you know, you coming and being a guest. I know you're studying for step two right now, so you're super busy. So thank you so much for just taking that couple of, that hour to chat with me. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, of course. And it was nice to get to know you better, too. Yeah, and I'd love to have you on, like, in a year or so, see how auditions went see how interviews went and just see where you are in a you know year so that'd be awesome yeah that'd be cool just let me know. all right perfect well nikita thank you so much i really appreciate you and uh if there's anything i can do you know if you need any advice fourth year or whatever uh i, I have friends who matched ob i can put you in touch with them as well so just let me know if i can do anything for you okay oh that'd be awesome yeah i'll probably hit you up soon no doubt that sounds good well thank you again and uh, I'll, I'll be in touch soon all right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. That was Nikita, fourth year medical student. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in. Can't thank you enough. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. And to those in the game and those on their way up, keep grinding and don't let anyone take your dream away from you. Thank you.
thank you so much for tuning in. I just want to give a quick shout out to the artist. The intro, that song is called Ever and Ever by JFBM. You can find him on Linktree by searching jfbm.wav on Instagram at jfbm.wav. The artist is streaming on Spotify. The outro song is called Break by Used Paper Bag. You can find him on Linktree at used underscore paper underscore bag and on Instagram at used underscore paper underscore bag. Artist is streaming on Spotify. Thank you so much. Have a great day.